a Voice of St. Louis original podcast. This is the STL All Local Podcast. I'm Michael Calhoun with the news you need tonight. Our top local story on this Monday, March 6th, House Bill 702, which would return control of the St. Louis Police Department to a state-appointed board, has passed out of the state house. A spokesperson for the mayor says in a statement, quote, this isn't about improving public safety, it's about power and politics. The family of the 70-year-old woman attacked by an ex-convict at the Central West End Straubs is calling for justice. Her sister says the 70-year-old victim is out of the hospital but still recovering. This should have never happened, period. And especially at Straubs at 8.15 in the morning. All my sister was doing was going to get a slice of cake for one of her co-workers. An attorney for the victim's family, Scott Sherman, is calling on the circuit attorney, Kim Gardner's office, to up the charge against the suspect from third-degree assault to first-degree assault. These kinds of injuries that are debilitating, concussions, neck injuries, herniations, they elevate it to the most serious charge, a very serious injury. No word yet on whether the charge will be increased. More on the memorandum of understanding between St. Louis police and the juvenile court as to what procedure to follow when youths are taken into custody. St. Louis Executive Director for Criminal Justice Coordinating Council, Nicole Barton, tells KMOX these conversations started last year, but a breakdown happened in January when police detained three juveniles following a shootout on the Foundry parking lot. The 15 and 16-year-olds allegedly had guns, but when police contacted juvenile, officers were told return them to their parents. Juvenile court will, through their intake, decide whether or not a youth is detained or they're released. So part of this decision-making is also a point system, which is a Missouri statute. However, Barton says when the point system was developed, it did not take into account the current gun laws in Missouri. Because now, youth are allowed to carry guns. They're back at the table with conversations about going back to legislators for revisions. Maria Aquina, X News. The death of a cadaver-sniffing dog draws attention to what's going on in the shadows of an empty downtown building at night. This is Kevin Colleen outside the old famous bar building, the 900 block of Olive. You remember the Christmas trains in the window. Those windows and all the windows on the first floor boarded up with plywood to keep out the homeless. A cadaver-sniffing dog looking for a body Friday night leaps to his death out of fifth floor window. They think he thought it was a doorway. There was a report that someone had been murdered here. They did not find a body, but we're hearing that there are routinely dozens and dozens of homeless people squatting in this building. They are plundering it for anything of value and often carrying out knapsacks bulging with stolen copper. Something never seen before, an election tomorrow in the city of St. Louis designed to get rid of half the board of aldermen. Election director Gary Stoff says the 28 aldermen currently serving will be reduced to 14. All new to all of us here in the city, 14 new wards. And uh, what's going to happen to the city going forward? And these are people who will make that determination for us. Some of the races feature long-serving aldermen challenged by newcomers. 20% of registered voters are expected to show up. The top two vote-getters in each ward will go on to face each other in the April election. Would replacing traffic lights at four-way stops with roundabouts decrease serious crashes? The mayor of one Indiana town says yes. Carmel, Indiana Mayor James Brainerd explained how. What it really comes down to with roundabouts is speed. You've never sped up to go through a yellow light, have you, in your life? <laughs> I didn't think so. No one has, right? Right. We all do it. We, we all do it. We all do it. I catch myself doing it. We all do it. 
Brainerd says at a roundabout, everybody has to slow down, which gives drivers, pedestrians, and bicyclists a chance to react. He says Carmel, Indiana, had zero pedestrian fatalities in 2022. Under his leadership, 147 roundabouts have been installed in Carmel, with seven more set to be built this year. A state lawmaker from Wentzville is pushing a bill to have the state demand action from the federal government concerning radioactive waste in the St. Louis region. Representative Trisha Burns says it's prompted by her 15-year-old son getting cancer a decade ago. He had a radio type cancer that has only happened 50 times in medical history. So when you have a canary in the coal mine like that, you start to look around to figure out how that happened. He did survive the cancer. A House committee hearing today or tomorrow afternoon will consider Burns legislation. Students were sent home from Pattonville High School in Maryland Heights today after a threat reading, I am going to shoot the school Monday, was found on the stalls of two boys' bathrooms. The superintendent sent a letter to parents urging them to talk with their children about the consequences of making threats, even in jest. The perpetrator has not been found at last report. The KMOX business desk, there's now one less pasta house company restaurant. The location at Manchester and Wideman Roads in unincorporated West County has closed according to a sign out front. The signature St. Louis Italian chain will quickly get back to full strength though with plans to take over the former pie pizza space further down Manchester Road in Kirkwood. As the news continues on KMOX, two United Airlines planes clipped their wings on the tarmac at Boston Logan Airport today. Comes exactly a week after a near miss between a JetBlue flight and a Learjet there. Yesterday, a bird strike caused a Southwest plane to fill with smoke and make an emergency landing in Havana. A man faces charges today after trying to open the emergency exit door of a United Airlines flight from L.A. to Boston and stabbing a flight attendant in the neck with a broken metal spoon. Turbulence caused the death of a person. That's just a taste of what air travelers have been facing and we're joined now on KMOX by CBS News travel editor Peter Greenberg. Thank you for being with us. You got it. Now these are distinct issues. We're talking about planes on the ground and and taking off having close calls which is different than extreme turbulence which is different than in the air passenger misbehavior but it may make people think twice about flying. What do you make of all this Peter? Well, you know what? Other than seasonality of weather and some more, you know, increased weather intensity, what you're seeing now is not necessarily an increase in the number of incidents, but the increase in the number of reportable incidents. People are reporting it more. Uh, The fact that we have 60,000 planes in the air in any given 24-hour period, and then you take a look at those number of incidents, it's really quite minor. Now, obviously, each one has to be addressed on a case-by-case basis. The incident of the air with the passenger trying to open up the door and then stabbing the flight attendant, that's a completely separate situation about air rage that we've been dealing with since, the, since really, in terms of volume, since the days of wearing masks during the pandemic. Uh, but in other cases about weather, listen, uh, the only time I absolutely wear my seatbelt is when we're in the air. Uh, that's the one time you should never take it off because clear air turbulence is something that the onboard weather systems and the radar systems that the planes carry doesn't often identify fast enough. And then if you have a severe drop in altitude of, let's say, a, a thousand feet a second, which could happen, you know, just a complete drop, that's when people get seriously injured because it's like the elevator dropping. All this time the elevator is really dropping and you, and you, you go through the ceiling. So when the pilot says, keep your seatbelt on, even if the light's not on, even if you're not you know, doing anything, if you're just sitting there, have it on, that's some serious advice. No, and I, and I follow it to the letter. Uh, seriously, you, you do not know when the clear air turbulence is coming. It only lasts for maybe eight seconds, but that's enough to get you hurt. 
Now, when we talk about the issues with the uh, the planes on the tarmac and taking off and some of these close calls that have happened, uh, a couple at Boston, but other airports as well. You know, the airlines and the airports rely on the FAA, the Department of uh, Homeland Security, Department of Transportation. Uh, is the federal infrastructure up to snuff? Well, listen, we saw the FAA ground stop a couple of weeks ago. That was clearly antiquated equipment. Let's repeat after me these two words, floppy disk. But we also have a staffing issue. Uh, you, need to, you need to increase the staffing. You need to increase the training. And you need to implement state-of-the-art equipment and state-of-the-art technology. The problem with the federal government is the procurement process takes so long that by the time the equipment's approved, installed, and people are trained, the equipment itself is out of date. So we have to accelerate that. Is there a staffing issue either, either on the part of air traffic controllers or we've heard about, uh, you know, maybe a pilot um, making a decision to head to the runway and there's another plane there and they weren't aware of it or they didn't hear it. Uh, is staffing a major part of this? Well, the staffing at air traffic control centers has always been an issue. We need more of them. Uh, some, you, don't, you do not want an air traffic controller working a double shift. And that gives you an indication that there's a staffing issue. Uh, on the ground in the towers, it's not really been that much of an issue, but the, the volume of traffic at certain airports during peak times is changing. Why? Airlines are flying fewer flights. They're flying bigger airplanes, but over, over seriously different time periods, meaning they're, they're basically doing only peak time flying for the big planes, which means you're seeing a plane surge and a passenger surge at airports at only certain times of the day. That may explain why airports seem more crowded, because they seem more crowded at that particular time, because they are. And we're, we're in March now. People are planning their spring break getaways. If uh, somebody's headed to the airport in the next few weeks, what, what should they keep in mind? Anything different, perhaps, from the last time they went? Well, the same, the same information I give them as I always do. Get the first flight of the day. Make sure you know that the actual aircraft that's assigned to that flight overnighted at that airport the night before, which gives you a reasonably good chance that the crew has stayed with the plane and you'll get out on time. And those of us here in St. Louis are looking across the state at the uh, the just opened, brand new Kansas City International Airport, uh, wondering maybe if that might take some flights away from St. Louis. And there's a conversation here, Peter, about whether to redo the terminal setup at Lambert Airport, uh, keep the historic uh, headhouse, and and maybe go with one uh, giant concourse replacing the four that they have now. Uh, I, I don't know the last time you've flown through St. Louis, but what's your impression of the airport facilities here, and is that something? that St. Louis should take a look at, especially considering the cross-state competition. Well, you mentioned first Kansas City's airport. We always love Kansas City. You know why? It's always empty because they don't have enough originating traffic. Even air airlines that tried to hub there didn't do well. So if they've opened up a brand new Kansas City airport, I'd fly there in a heartbeat because it is by definition uncrowded. As for Lambert, that's a different situation. If you've got the geographic footprint you actually have the floor space to play with the terminals and expand it in a reasonable and commonsensical way, why wouldn't you? Uh, remember, we haven't had a brand new airport in this country, a brand new airport in this country, since Denver opened up more than 25 years ago. So we're really dealing with managing the place that we have. So if you can fix it, go ahead and fix it. CBS News Travel Editor Peter Greenberg, always enjoy talking with you. Thank you for the time. You got it. Thank you for listening. I'm Michael Calhoun. Subscribe to STL All Local on the Odyssey app.